0: to another episode of Overdrinkers, the Story Screen Presents podcast where I, Mike Burge, it me, I'm the only one that hosts this podcast, sits down with a friend and a drink and a movie. We drink the drink, we talk about the movie, and we talk to each other about the movie while we drink the drink. You know what it is, it's Overdrinkers, and today I am joined by a very, very special guest. Who are you?
1: My name is Yarko Dobryanski.
0: What are you? I'm a
1: a man that uh, oh. is <laughs> here today. I uh, I work at Wonder Bar. Great. Uh, I've worked in uh, other places in Beacon. I am originally from New York City, and moved up to Beacon around 2017. I love it here,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, and I have always loved movies.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so this is uh, this is actually. Very exciting for me.
0: So well, this is—is is this your first podcast?
1: This is my first podcast. Doing it, I've listened to many.
0: Oh, long-time listener, long-time first-time listener. guest. Yeah, exactly. Cool. <laughs> uh, and today we are talking about. You picked a movie um, that you wanted to discuss. Yes, and that film is 1987 masterpiece. Masters of the Universe. Masters of the Universe. The live-action He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Uh, adaptation to film right. uh, the celluloid cinematic marvel the one that every child wanted to happen everybody had this on vhs or saw it on like tnt right with weird commercial breaks and stuff uh, so we're, we are talking about um as previously stated masters of the universe starring teen heartthrob dolph lundgren as well as frank lingella courtney cox robert duncan mcneil There's a lot of people in this movie. James Tolkien. James Tolkien, which is always good to see. Always. Always good. Always bringing the energy. Uh, Most people probably are familiar with James Tolkien as the principal from the Back to the Future series who kept like showing up in all of them. Mr. Strickland. uh, Because he's a good guy and he commits to his job. And as always on Over Drinkers, we are drinking a themed beverage. And that beverage was uh, designed by me. And made by me. you, Yarko, because you are a, a bartender. bartender. And you are very good at making drinks. So this drink is called By the Power of Grey Skull. Excellent name. It is uh, bourbon, St. Germain, lemon juice, ginger beer, uh, several dashes of Angostura bitters. And then it's garnished with a delicious orange slice. It is a play on a typical skeleton key. And uh, it is delicious. And cheers to you, sir. Thank you for joining me. This is going to be good. Yeah oh that's good yes mm
1: now did you did you pick it because it's based on a skeleton key yeah like skeleton I line? was yeah
0: I was trying to like oh what's something that kind of already has that in the name and like right. what can I kind of mess around with it and stuff like that added some like bitters and everything we kind of met me and you messed with the the levels of like the germain, the saint germain and yeah. the bourbon and exactly how to pour it and put it all together and mix it and that's it now look at how it
1: how serendipitous that you went for the Skeletor because the director of Master's Universe focused this film through the eyes of Skeletor.
0: Yes, much in the same way that Tim Burton in uh, the Batman movie was like, is a much more interesting character. <laughs> right. Uh, although I think that um, uh, Gary Godard, the director of this, who is not a good person, um, is, uh, I don't know if you're aware that he, uh, in recent times, many, 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 Uh, sexual harassment claims have been made about this guy and he does not make movies anymore Um, he is most known for creating some of the best theme park rides Uh, like he made the Terminator 2 theme park ride Uh, he's just very good at that and you can kind of see that in this movie where this movie kind of looks like you know the B footage from like a theme park ride yeah Um, Which I don't think is a knock to it. I mean, I want to go on the record here up front and say my thoughts on this movie are that um, it's impossible for me to not like this movie. Nostalgia wise, I grew up with this movie. I watched it all the time um and as i got older i started realizing how maybe not well made it was but it still like kind of fills that nostalgic void for me and also at the same time i think that i kind of respect the tenacity of where this movie's going mm-hmm. because it's you know for budget restrictions reasons and stuff like they didn't set it all on you know uh, Eternia right. or in gray skull and everything they they Decided to do the route where it's like He Man pops up in our time on Earth in the 80s and they're dealing with a bunch of 80s people and they turn it into a fish out of water kind of thing. And I always kind of like when adaptations do that and if they do it well. Now, well is an arguable term as far as masses of the universe. I think that they do it fairly interestingly i think they take some risks i think they introduce some new characters while maintaining some of the original ones um i don't think it's a great adaptation of the show no but i think it's a pretty fun sci-fi adventure movie especially given its kind of low budget canon roots you know what what do you what what do you think about it
1: i i wholeheartedly agree i i think um you know every child that went to see this was thrilled because when you're a child seeing this on screen you're not into oh well that wasn't too good or that you know the editing wasn't good or you know the acting wasn't great you're You're not roger ebert you're gene siskel
0: right yeah (laughs) or i guess the other way around roger ebert likes movies
1: um but at at the same time i think nostalgia has a good chunk of us liking the movie still and and there's something to be said about eighties movies in particular that were they were able to create a warm feeling in their movies, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Where you don't really see that warm feeling now because now it's I feel like you, you they have bigger budgets so they can do greater sets or the CGI is incredible, the acting's awesome. Um not to knock any eighties acting, but dolph Lundgren was not known for his best acting in this movie no.
0: no no there's actually a really bad like rumor that like you know that it was intended that he would be dubbed over,
1: yes. which
0: is kind of a, a a combination of a bunch of different things coming out to we 've all seen you know movies where uh you know actors whose uh, first language is not English and maybe they can't deliver the lines all that well are dubbed over eventually. Um but he had
1: it in his contract. He had it in his, his contract. Three yeah. tries. He had three
0: tries. To, yeah, exactly. Right. He had three tries to each take um, and, you know, they would just – they they got – most other people had lines. They had really charismatic actors like playing all of these other characters so that they could kind of deliver right. the exposition and things like that. And, you know, like you said previously, like making – kind of focusing in on Skeletor and him kind of being the anchor point of the story – It it makes He-Man like a supporting character in his own movie, which I think is particularly why it's not called He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. It's called Masters of the Universe. And, you know, I have issues with certain aspects of the show not being present in this, it's mainly just all the fun characters yeah. and all that different stuff, not really taking place within the world and the rules and the canon. You know, you lose Prince Adam, you do, you do all that stuff. Right, but, I'm but like, there was a
1: back and forth with the whole Prince
0: Adam. There was, He-Man yeah. through and they were just all like, the
1: incarnations of He
0: Man. Exactly, right, right, yeah. right. And on this one, they're just kind of like, look, it's just it's 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 a convoluted thing to put in here if you don't know who He Man is. Right. And I think that that is the first thing that everybody's always trying to do, especially back in the 80s when they're doing these cartoon comic adaptations is like most people might not know who this is. You know, it's a very popular show, but they might not have watched it. They don't know the rules. They're aware of it. And that's a selling point. But at the end of the day, they need to be able to understand it and enjoy it without having had any of the other stuff. And if that means you have to drop a couple things, I totally get it. It's just weird in this one because it's all servicing a plot that is completely original and wholly like just created and concocted just for this. It's like they're dropped into the 80s in this small town and they've got this cosmic key that, you know, the dude from Star Trek (laughs) Voyager thinks is like a Japanese synthesizer and Courtney Cox is like doing her best like kind of. You know, she's just like the love interest from Gremlins, you know, it's yeah. just like, oh, my dad's dead. And uh, I'll have a moment where I'll tell you how he died. And it's like, you've, you've seen Gremlins, I take oh, it. Yeah. Oh, yes. And she's got that great moment at the end where she like talks about how – spoilers for Gremlins uh, – how how like her dad like dressed up like Santa and got stuck in the chimney and died. Right. And it's an extremely dark thing to be in what was kind of touted as like a family-friendly kind of like edgy movie. Much in the same way that Temple of Doom. Both Temple of Doom and Gremlins were the reason that PG-13 was created because they were like, look, all of this isn't rated R, but some of these aspects are a little too dark. we need to, yeah. Yeah. And I'm actually writing, I'm finishing up my Temple of Doom piece right now for Movie Daddy, which, dear listener, you can read if you sign up for our exclusive content for only $5 a month at Storyscreenbeacon.com. Do it. It's really fun and there's a bunch of other podcasts on there that you can listen to it's great Um, but in Temple of Doom as I'm learning is like a lot of the darkness came from the fact that George Lucas had just gotten a divorce and was going through a lot of stuff which thank god yeah that he got divorced yeah because so much good
1: came out of it (laughs) well and it's
0: like Temple of Doom is a it's a tricky movie uh, because there's a lot of bad bad problematic shit in there um, like legit, like it's very hard to argue how hurtful that movie was towards certain members of the world and specifically people who uh, in American culture who were being, you know, identified by other people as right. part of that culture. It's very bad. Yeah. And I talk about that in the in the piece as well and also how it's an amazing set piece movie. It's a great action movie. It's a good Indiana Jones movie. You know, two things can be right at the same time, that kind Absolutely. of thing. Um, but it's funny that it's like, It's all about if you take it from a dude who wrote it and it's coming from divorce, you're like there's a scene where a guy gets his heart ripped out. There's a scene where, (laughs) you know, a guy is turned evil. He's poisoned into being evil where he's no longer a paternal figure to like his like his like child, child, his son. And there's like all this like different stuff in there that's all very much like divorce allegory. Yeah. And I never picked up on that before until I learned that it was, that's why it was going on. in these two dudes who were like powerhouses at that point. But from at the Star same Wars time, and, yeah. it
1: never demonizes Kate Capshaw's character.
0: She's no, just it kind doesn't. Of like, She's just more of an archetype. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's more of like, you're, you're, ah! And, you know, so yeah.
1: it's really interesting like that he internalized that it was, that he, maybe he felt like it was his fault and not hers.
0: The sure. divorce. Sure. No, yeah. I think it's – I think there's a lot of that in there and that's – you get that from like artistic people are yeah. very uh, empathetic and sometimes that can like churn up too much and go too far and then that person becomes pretentious or just like, uh, like a sociopath or a megalomaniac. Or a and skeletor. Or Skeletor, bringing it back to Mass of the Universe, of course. And, or, and then sometimes you can also just get somebody who's just like so in touch with what they're doing that it's an extremely sensitive operation to put your what you really feel in your heart on paper, have it be shot, have it be edited, have it be promoted, have it be released, and have people react to it. Yeah. And George Lucas has always been a dude who's extremely sensitive to criticism. And it's crazy that he was able – I mean that's why he sold Star Wars eventually is because he's just like, fuck this. And he's like, you know, I tried to do something completely different with the prequels, which to his credit, he did. They're very different from the other ones. And that's why he sold it because he just kind of gave up. Like his earlier films, like especially THX 1138 Mm -hmm. and American Graffiti, like these are finally made uh, for their time, art house films in in some way. And Star Wars is an art house art house film. Yes. And like the entire idea and concept of Star Wars was brand new and special. And he made it. You know, So it's like you can never knock that down. But then it's also like he just didn't want to be pigeonholed into doing one specific thing. That's why he never directed Empire in Return. He was like, I don't want to direct these movies again. I'm kind of sucked into this. I want to direct experimental films, stuff like that. But enough on these guys. I mean, Star Wars is tangential to Masters of the Universe. Everyone was chasing that Star Wars bug.
1: I mean, all the the, uh, sci-fi technological gadgets they had in it were – Incredible, yeah. I, I thought they were incredible.
0: It's, that's the thing that you were get, that you were touching on with CGI, practical effects. Yeah. just feel better. They feel real. It's not nostalgia, and it's not impressive. It, like the the impressiveness of it all. It's that you just you can reach out and you can touch it. It's that line from Jurassic Park, you know, where I, like I wanted to create something that was real that they could reach out and touch. John yeah. Hammond says that, and that's yeah. essentially. Spielberg and and like ILM speaking through the character and being like we wanted to do something that was so monumental by mixing stop motion CGI animatronics miniatures and putting them all together very rapidly and cohesively and expertly to to this day you're just like is that fucking real like it looks fucking real yeah and like using all of the tricks that are disposable, making it dark, making it wet, you know, uh, obscuring things when they need to, showing things from a distance when they need to. It's right. just like – it's a master class in just like practical and digital effects.
1: Well, not to mention it, it enhances any – Actor's ability to feel that it's he's in the real world. Yeah. yeah,
0: I mean that that like prop in Masters of the Universe, the cosmic key. Cosmic such key. a cool it's fucking awesome. prop. I want yeah. that fucking thing. I'm looks like a fucking pop. blender or like a thermos. Just looks like a gigantic <laughs> thermos, and it's got all these little fucking. Or forks if I was a it. kid,
1: that would have been a great nightlight. You know. Yeah, and it sounds
0: cool. Oh my god. It's okay. great. It's good. Um, that's one thing. This music in this movie is also an extreme ripoff of John Williams. Uh, like there's, <laughs> but off there's by super like, a it's just awful. Yeah. There. The Superman song is there. Well, the, the Star Superman Wars. Credits. Yeah. It's crazy. The opening credits. It's totally ripped. Honestly though, like, uh, super, uh, and this might get me, you know, people might not like this, but, um, I love the Superman score. John Williams is one of, is probably my favorite living composer. Yeah. um, I kind of like the Master's Universe one a little bit more. I really? feel like their remix on it, there's just something there I'm like, ooh, how goofy. Like, I feel like the Superman well, score it's takes shorter. itself too seriously. You know, it's just like, oh yeah, da da da, da da Whereas, like, Master's Universe is just like, yeah, you know, we're ripping this off. <laughs> like it's good. And it's, you know, it's it's kind of like Vanilla Ice ripping off, you know, like for, for Ice Ice Baby. Right. It's just like ripping off like David Bowie and Queen is just like, <laughs> but you got to admit, like that extra dun dun is pretty good. Yeah. It does sound good. He's lying if he says he didn't rip it off. Oh, yeah. But I don't think there was any denial. About no, that. I don't. Yeah. I, you can't deny it. Yeah. You're just like even like the credits are the exact same, that, like that's the font saying, yeah. and everything. They're just like, look, we're not they trying to fucking in, hide multicolored. this. But Canon also at that point owned the rights to the Superman movie, so technically they could fucking get away with it. Right? That. They were doing uh, Superman Four, Quest at for the same piece. time
1: as Masses Universe, a ma-
0: another masterpiece of a movie. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, what uh, you got, You got some notes here.
1: I do have I, I do have notes I'm, in regards of like all the.
0: Uh, There's like five pages babble, like. of notes here, kind of like scribbled.
1: <laughs> I have a horrible memory. I can so get you
0: like images. a notebook if you want. No, like, you know they have they have like books where all these
1: blank pages are like put together. This is my problem with notebooks. Okay, they they close, and I end up not opening them. I see pieces of paper. I can fold, put it in they're my pocket. Open. They're ready. To, I can take it out. Unfold they're ready them. To go. They're there. All right. It's like you have an office and it's a mess, but you know where everything is. sure, it's exactly the same i
0: I agree. I got you.
1: this mine right here, hmm like a metal trap. Nothing gets in, nothing gets out. Notes <laughs> um, the techno babble I thought was awesome, like the holosphere in the very beginning, mm-hmm. and then you see four four skeletors looking at all parts of eternia, yeah, like giant,
0: mm-hmm.
1: brilliant, and then the the whole the truth. The truth collar. Oh,
0: the truth collar is so fucking oh, cool and so like the, awesome. the
1: effect on the voice. Tell me you didn't want one of those when you're a kid to put on like somebody at school. Yeah. Like tell me the truth about something. Yeah. 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 He's
0: just like, no. <laughs> there was a police officer. <laughs> and it's like, it's like kind of like almost synthed up and just yeah. like, like, a, like, like, a kind of like uh, yelling into like a gigantic like aluminum can. Like, no. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Um, the. Going back to canon,
1: they they did numerous movies mm. throughout the 80s. And they got to the point where they almost did too many movies to
0: control their money. I mean, I'd almost say that's exactly what happened. Yeah. yeah they, they, they they went but, too far. So
1: they bank, they were banking on Masters of the Universe and they were banking on Superman 4. Masters of the Universe totally failed. Yeah. Unfortunately. But became a cult movie. Yes.
0: Yeah. As is... What happens sometimes. Right. Yeah. And it's like it doesn't perform successfully when it needs to because like they were on the ropes from um, – what is it? Over the top. Right. The Sylvester Stallone movie that cost like $15 million to make and $12 million of that went to paying Sylvester Stallone. Right. And everything else in that movie is – it's why the movie takes place in a truck – a restaurant, a hotel room, and like a very dimly lit like wrestling ring, right? Where people just arm wrestle. But they, they went into Masters of the Universe. Cool Who fucking thought that that was a fucking movie? Cannon, Don't get me wrong, Cannon I films, love man. over the top. I Cannon think it's great, great but, it but it's like movie. it sucks that Canon Films they they rolled the dice. They went for it. I feel like they rolled really the nice with every movie they made. Every movie they made, they <laughs> rolled the dice, and you got to respect that. They were just like – they kept going. They never played it safe. They just went for the thing that they thought would work, and it just kept not working. Yeah. And they kept barely keeping their heads above water. And Masters of the Universe was very much kind of like the final nail in the coffin, so to speak. It was just like – it was $16 million. It's a very modest budget for what they were doing back then. Mm. Nothing too small, but like definitely low For what they were trying to do. And to the point where they ran out of money. They were pretty much shut down. But you could tell from the movie in the beginning. There, I mean, those sets are awesome. On Eternia.
1: Yeah. Gwildor's house. And
0: that's why they spent all the money on that. And everything else just takes place on a street. On a street. and and In a a gymnasium. (laughs) You know? Like, in a house. And like, in a field. Like, that's it. And it's like... I I found out in uh, my research for this one. I didn't realize... Because I always took the ending fight scene between Skeletor and yes. He-Man as an artistic choice uh, where the uh. lights go out and it just <laughs> flashes and everything. And apparently it was just like, no, they were shut down. That was the only thing they hadn't shot. Right. And like the director, the actors, and the cinematographer went in and just shot it real quick without anybody knowing. It's not even on the actual set. Mm-hmm. And they just dimly lit everything. And I'm like... Dude, that's fucking cool. Yeah. Like, that's really neat. But even, even, even more cool is the
1: director had a sense that maybe they just won't have enough money for that end battle. Yeah. And so he said the last shot they shot on budget was the clashing of the swords. Yeah. And he said, you know what? Just for shits and giggles, when they clash swords, turn off the lights and just do like a little. Sp- a big spark of the clash Mm -hmm. and that he had the backup thought of we'll shoot in the dark if we have no money
0: yeah that's brilliant it's great Great. I think it's good a good idea from a terrible monster of a person (laughs) Um, the and the other thing is is that uh, this movie you know one of the things uh, I feel like the the common person does not think about when it comes to budgets is promotion. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of that money needs to go into promotional material, yeah, sometimes the budget doesn't even allocate for promotional material, and that's something that's added on, especially nowadays when we have like such gigantic worldwide ad campaigns for movies and promotional yeah. material um so this movie had like no fucking money left over to promote itself.
1: Right. Well, marketing wasn't that great in the eighties anyway, no. It wasn't until 90s that marketing really,
0: really lifted off and they started doing a bunch of stuff. Yeah, like back in the 80s, you just needed something very simple. Right. Canon was also no stranger to like you put stuff that's maybe not even in the movie on the poster to like try and get people involved and interested because it doesn't matter if the movie's bad. If the poster gets them in there, you've already got their money. Like that was always kind of the thinking of a lot of these more, you know, no offense, schlockier, more kind of – lesser means studios right. and distri- like not, like production studios and distribution guys. And the other thing with Canon that's interesting from like a theater owner perspective is that Canon was never very good with working with theaters to make money, do good terms and hold up their end of the bargain with a lot of stuff. So they And the biggest thing is, is that, you know, I'll paint this with an example up front from me. When I book a movie through Paramount, yeah. I'm not just negotiating the terms for that movie. And by terms, I mean like how much we're going to pay in advance for it and what the overall percentage cut of the ticket sales is going to be and what the pay period terms of that is, yeah. how long I have to play it, what theater I have to play it in. Does it have to run clean, which means it's the only one that runs in that theater, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. You're not just negotiating with just that movie. You're negotiating with what Paramount also has coming up, because if you if you play the game right, you if get you play the game, bad. you get the next one. Right. You get the next one. You get them at good stuff. You try to get too greedy at first, maybe they don't want to do business with you. Uh-huh. And the thing with Canon is, again, they were going movie by movie, so they never had something already slated. So when they were trying to get theaters to book Masters of the Universe, they had nothing in their corner to back it up. They weren't like, well, you got to show Masters of the Universe clean or like you know at least five times a day for this amount of money otherwise we're not going to give you this that's coming up they didn't have that
1: well, but and, i feel they they could have backed it up because canon was well known as a rip off production they would yeah. they would do movies but they didn't that have, have anything the popular. Ones. the
0: thing yeah so they could say like we've got more coming up but right. without any actual finished product or yeah. anything to show the theaters would have nothing Right. Okay. they would have nothing you know like when i book through a24 you know, which is a really great independent uh, distribution and production company that I have a great personal and professional relationship with. They show me things like a year out. They're like, if it's one that they've produced, they're like, hey, we're working on this right now. Would you be interested in kind of keeping this in your slot? And I'm like, July next year? I mean, yeah, sure. It, fine. Right. You know, and that's how I found out about the Green Knight, which was like, you know, oh, wow. two years ago, they were like this. And I was like, great. I'll do it and now it's coming out July 30th this awesome. year and I got it booked and I'm really excited about it because I love David Lowry, and I love Dave Patel. Yeah. Love him. I got my, got awesome. my Dev Patel <laughs> summer <laughs> I just noticed shirt that. on right now. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing is they didn't have anything. So one of the big things that hit Masters of the Universe so hard in its original theatrical run, why it wasn't successful is most theaters, not all, but most, only played it for a matinee and didn't play it in an evening, evening show morning. so it was only like old people some kids skipping school and people just generally interested but it wasn't it wasn't made readily available and this again is kind of like you know i feel like this is kind of telling telling stories out of school kind of thing. Like, yeah. I wasn't there. This is, like, from people who are involved with the making of the movie. They're a little biased, so maybe they're like, sure. oh, this is why we got fucked over. At the end of the day, I feel like this movie looks cool enough and is cool enough to at least generate back its budget. But it didn't. It did not. It did not. It did not. And they're very – I mean, it's, it's possible that it won some of it back worldwide, but they're very the, – the, the worldwide gross has never been released no one knows what we know that it made only about like 12 million dollars in the states we have no idea what it made worldwide and because He-Man Masters of the Universe is primarily a very popular American uh, TV show we don't know it's it's hard to think that it did any more than maybe a quarter of 12 million which is 3 million which only puts it at 15 and even if it made 20 million dollars that's not enough to make something make sense yeah
1: and the the other issue with budgeting was this was this wasn't all Canon Productions. This was partnered with Mattel,
0: mm-hmm. mm.
1: and they had saturated the toy market with all these He-Man toys to the point where all these stores were angry at them and were <laughs> not selling them. And so they I'm sure, whatever budget they had in
0: mind for marketing diminished because of that. Totally. Yeah. And Mattel would be pissed off because like they went in like 50-50 on the budget. Oh, yeah. But they also had to produce all of the toys and everything like that. And so they kind of like paid for this thing that was supposed to promote the thing that they just paid for. Like they made an investment in an investment. Yeah. And then both of those investments did not pay off <laughs> because one just fed into the other. And it was just like they were pissed. Yeah. Right.
1: And I feel like we're, we're talking a lot of – um not negative about this movie, but the downfalls of it. No, there are the 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 things same, negative the about this movie, are... but I
0: don't think that they're. I don't think they're deal breakers. I don't, I don't think. They I think, think they they're interesting. Yeah,
1: I don't think they hinder the movie at all. I, you know, Dolph Lundgren looking like he's about to say a line, but then looks at his co-star, doesn't hinder it either. I oh, yeah. think that's just kind of like a yeah. awesome, funny little moment that yeah. I, that people and adults notice. Yes. But I think, again, even now, if you show it to any kid, I think they'll be mesmerized Mm
0: -hmm. because of the fanciful world that they've created, because, you know, He-Man is Man. There is an otherworldliness to the bad acting on display from the characters from Eternia who are in our world. You mean like Blade? All of them. (laughs) All of the the acting is just very over the top or just very kind of uh, not very good. Right. And it kind of lends like these people are fucking weirdos. They're acting like fucking weirdos yeah. because the actors are not really landing. Because they, landing have to. With, because they ha- exactly. They're dressed up in these ridiculous yeah. fucking costumes. Like fucking He-Man looks like an SM dude, which <laughs> more power to him. Get what you want. Be a be a fucking freak. Don't call yourself a freak. Do what you want. Get it off. The rock's gotta go, and you're the one that knows how to do it. Yeah. You know, I know. I get it. He can barely lift the fucking sword, which is crazy. Doesn't it look like he can barely lift that fucking sword? He can't move it. But I tell you,
1: that's probably the best acting that Dolph Lundgren does because when you look later on, when Skeletor picks up that sword, it looks like it's a freaking toothpick. Yeah. So there's definitely
0: no weight behind that sword. Yeah.
1: But the fact that Dolph Lundgren makes it look like it's heavy, I guess.
0: I was always kind of weirded out about the fighting in it, and. Just how it just seems so, because the big thing is that like, you know, He-Man can't kill anyone, you know, right. so that's fine. I'm into that. Yeah. You know, he doesn't that's have to kill have them, blasters. but he doesn't have to save them, you know. Right. You've heard that before. Yes. You don't have to save them. That's no, not so. killing them. But you he can, does have to save the lead. You can lady. You can cause a train to crash because you blew up the bridge <laughs> and you don't have to take the guy off the train that's on the bridge that you blew up. And then you fly away and you just don't take him. That's not murdering him. You're just not saving him, you know? You've heard of this.
1: I've heard of that, but that yeah. it doesn't make you a good hero or a no. person. Well,
0: no one ever said Batman was a, was a hero.
1: Who said Batman isn't a hero? Of course he's a hero.
0: No, he lived too long. Batman? Yeah. He saw himself become a villain.
1: Oh, well, yeah. You're, I mean, you're talking about...
0: I'm talking about.
1: You're talking I'm not i I'm I'm to delve into that. <laughs> no, you <don't> want
0: to. <laughs> well, I can't think of a better place for a, for a commercial break real quick. <laughs> All right, so we're going um, to uh, take a quick break, right, quick, and uh, we will be back in a sec, and we will talk more that Masters of the Universe. Hey guys, Mike Burge popping in here real quick to tell you about a really cool business that you should definitely be supporting, whether you live in the immediate Hudson Valley area or not. It's called Dark Side Records. It's an absolutely fantastic place that you need to check out immediately. They sell everything. Anything that's cool, they got it. They're not just records, they got CDs, they got cassette tapes, they got all of the music stuff that you want to do, but they also got really cool t-shirts, they got great CBD supplement options, and they got that dank glassware. You know what I'm talking about, it's for tobacco use, but you know, we don't have to lie about that anymore. We don't have to lie about it in New York and be like, oh, this is just for like tobacco use only, I'm going to just use this. You can use that shit for absolutely anything. You can use it for anything that you want. If you want to smoke, you know, oregano in it, you can do that. You know, don't smoke anything that's going to hurt you or be really bad for you. Like, don't do that. Anyway, they have that stuff. They also got DVDs, Blu-rays that I mentioned vinyl. They also got VHS tapes, laser discs. I kind of go there to check that stuff out. It's where I get my record player fixed. It's where I get my VCR fixed. Darkside Records, Friends of the Show, absolutely fantastic. They have their own podcast as well. They got two of them actually. I've actually guested on them before. It's an absolutely fun business to support. Um, you can check more stuff out by going to darksiderecords.com. You can order online and have it delivered to you wherever you live in the world. Pretty sure they'll just get it to you. And if you live in the immediate area, you know, they are at 611 Duchess Turnpike in Poughkeepsie. Uh, they're fantastic, again that website is darksiderecords.com visit it, check it out see if you like it, drop on in and see them, they are open uh, all the fucking time, I mean these guys, these guys wreck it I, I know they're open 7 days a week Essentially 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. I think they have different hours on Sunday. Oh, I do know that they do because I have it written right here in the copy. They're open 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Sunday. Right now with the health and safety stuff, they're doing masks are required. All the staffs are wearing masks. Staffs are required to disinfect surface areas between visits and there's dividers at checkout. I have gone there multiple times after the start of the pandemic and all these different regulations and guidelines are in place. I feel completely safe. They got that little hand sanitizer squirt bottle right at the front door. I use it when I'm coming in and I use it as I'm going out. Going to kill whatever I'm bringing in and I'm not taking anything out with me. They're an absolutely fantastic business filled to the very brim with very cool people both working there and going there. So if you wanted to try and improve your coolness, you cannot do much better than starting to go to Darkside Records, the Hudson Valley's largest independent record shop and welcome back all right so we are we are re-drinked up re-drinked uh and off mic we were talking about how we really kind of covered all the stuff that we wanted to talk about as far as like the behind the scenes stuff where this came from how it got made its reception all the different little things. Now I think we want to kind of really sit in on what's going on with this movie. And I if you if you don't mind, I would love to just I would love to just um get the conversation rolling and we can see where this goes. Yeah. yeah. Okay? Is that cool? Cool. Sure. So and I'm going to I'm going to use I'm going to I'm going to say my safe word. And and we'll go from there, right?
1: What's your safe word? Wildor. door.
0: <laughs> Gwildor. Gwildor. probably the most upsetting part of this whole movie. Upsetting in every way. Billy Barty. yes, an absolute legend, awesome. an amazing awesome. performer. Yes, um, he is caked under some of the most horrifying makeup and animatronics. Um, he is he's um for lack of a better term, uh, he's a little shit. He's a little shit. He likes to fucking fuck awesome. around, yeah. and he doesn't know, but like yeah. he kind of knows. He's right. being a little like. <laughs> Mm. he does have two sa-
1: <laughs> It does have two saving graces in this movie Okay, the grappling hook
0: the grappling hook is very cool I want that that's awesome uh, love I love it when, I always Matt, I remember him getting the, the, the bucket of fried chicken yes and, and, I and whenever say, I get a, I get a well carb- no it wasn't fried chicken it was, it was ribs it was ribs, you're right, you're right. But whenever I get, like, that, it's in a bucket that you usually get fried chicken in. And mm-hmm. whenever I get one of those, like, cardboard waxed uh, <laughs> buckets with, like, the top that you pop off, I always think, think of Gwildor. Of, of course. And his little grappling hook and, you know, the, the two people making out in the car in the convertible, yeah. which is so 1987. <laughs> Kids back then, man. They're just fucking around. Unbelievable. There are no rules. No protection. No Nothing. <laughs> in, in in the in, in, in the situation that they're right behind the rib place. That's the perfect spot to fucking make out. It is the perfect because they haven't eaten the ribs yet. No, unless those are leftovers, which I don't think there were. There's a lot in. I there. think they just got them. I think they just got it, and they're yeah. like, "Yo, before we get all bbq'd up, let's let's get down. Let's get dirtier. some fucking tongue action going on, <laughs> and then." Have some, like, kind of post-coitus yes. ribs. I'm into it. Cool. And I'm comfortable talking to you about this. I, I, as you should
1: be. We're mm-hmm. adult men. We're adult men. We've both had coitus. Ooh. What? 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 <laughs> um, I'm so glad you brought that scene up because yeah, um, I've seen this movie as a child multiple times and then I didn't see it for, I would say, close to... 15, 20 years. I mean, that's... Yeah, this
0: one time that you... I lent you the Blu-ray that yeah. I got of it, which is amazing. It's, it's one of great. the best fucking transfers I've ever seen. Yeah. it's. Fu- I've never seen this movie this crystal clear. It, it's really good quality. When So you're saying it's probably been about 10, 15 years since you saw it? Yeah. I don't know for me. I feel like I've watched it in the past 10 years. I feel okay. like at some point I watched it or maybe I just watched some of it on YouTube or anything, but like it really was randomly I've been going through a phase where I've been accidentally watching a lot of movies that I grew up with mm-hmm. whether it was when I was a little kid or when I was a teenager like I recently rewatched Virtuosity um, oh. with Russell Crowe and yeah. Denzel Washington which is a movie I watched all the time Parker, yeah. Parker, Parker Parker, <laughs> Parker, Parker it's a great movie um, much like Masters of the Universe very maligned and problematic problematic um, but yeah so you haven't seen it in like I haven't seen it in close I, to like 15, ten, some 15, 15. years yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I and one <laughs> you of the think? scenes. Well, I I still loved it because because it was still fun. It was fun to watch. It there was never a slow moment in the movie. Mm-hmm. It the pace is great, right? Um, but that that moment where they're at the rib place when they when Grildoor grabs those ribs and they eat, and then Man at Arms shows up with his daughter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they start eating the ribs, and I I don't. It didn't dawn on me as a child, but. They don't eat meat on Eternia. No, they do not. They're vegetarian. Yes. Why didn't that sink in when I was a child?
0: Oh, you probably get caught. I mean, it's a very confusing. I remember being very scared by Gwildor when I was younger because he, I wasn't familiar with him from the show. Mm. Okay. Um, and it must be stated, it's like, you know, this movie came out in 87. I was born in 86. Right. Uh, I probably started watching this movie more like early 90s, like when I was maybe I was, like yeah. five and I was like watching things and stuff. Okay. I'm a little Um, behind you, so maybe late, I would say, probably... I would say, like, around three, four, five years old. Yeah. I was probably watching weird stuff like this and probably not even retaining it until I was, like, five. Okay. You know, like, five is, like, the perfect age for, like, taking in this kind of stuff, doing dress rehearsals, and just, like, completely eating up your parents' lives, you know? Five is the age
1: when you start soaking up... Every aspect of every movie.
0: Right. Your kid, your kids are five. You. They are five. They're five, and they have a dress rehearsal today. They have a dress rehearsal today. It's fantastic. Yeah. I'm really excited for it. I appreciate it. It's they not are... the actual play. No, no. Tomorrow is the recital. Oh, it's a recital. I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah, okay. It's, it's I thought maybe they were doing something grand. But it is. It they're it, five. actually. Is I, very I can't. It's very grand. I know. I'm so sorry. What are they doing?
1: That's. They, they took a dance class this year. Yes. And this will be their first live performance in front of an audience.
0: Because so you have twins. Because you're saying twins? they and they're both five. They, Yes, yes. They sorry. are twins. Yeah. My apologies, audience. This is great. It's and great. and they're, they're a part of like a group of how many?
1: Um, a group of eight. Wow. Yeah.
0: So there are, there are a quarter of that.
1: Yes. Together. Correct. Powerhouse. But this is this – is, when you're five, at least for me, yeah. that's when my whole world – Opened up. This, These are the memories that I remember, like, vividly.
0: Yeah, that's, like five. you said, like, that's when you really start to retain yeah. stuff. And, like, that's, like, your earliest memories are usually from, like, that kind of four or five. Yes. You know, some of us very rarely remember things earlier than that unless they were kind of, like, very big and unique or, you know, uh, unfortunately traumatic or something right. like that. Like, I remember getting my first brain freeze. Whoa. I remember... The look of the high chair that I was in, (laughs) the room that I was in that I haven't been in in over 32 years. And I remember the flavor of ice cream and I remember the reaction of everybody looking down at me. And I've said this to my mom before. And I might have mentioned this on this podcast before because we've been doing this fucking thing for like five years now. But I told that to my mom that I remember that. And she was like, you were like fucking one when that happened. She was like, that house – we moved out of that house when you were like two. There's no way that you can remember no. that, but you just explained the exact exact thing. details. And I was just because like I was eating the ice cream and getting the ice cream fed to me, and I went like, Meh, you know, as, as babies words. do. I went. Meh. <laughs> so it's like you you can retain things before that, but five is really when like that's when we you start getting like Real you're life. interacting with other kids. Yeah. You're starting to see like you're not the only. Kids in the world. The only human that size. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, oh, I understand. You're starting to understand things. You're being taught things. You have to start behaving because now you can start getting in trouble. Right. You're no longer like, oh, you're just a fucking idiot kid. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. Now it's like, we've told you about this. Yes. You have to be quiet. Right. You have to shut up. Stop doing that.
1: You understand the rules, so to speak.
0: You start learning that there are rules. You understand the concept of rules. They understand
1: the rules. Okay. It's a matter of choosing to obey them, right? Well, because
0: what can you do? Nothing. Nothing. I can you have can a. Do nothing. I can
1: have a face of I have authority, mm-hmm. but it's up to them to realize whether they follow it or not, mm-hmm. and that's as far as it goes. <laughs> that's
0: it. That's why I don't have kids. <laughs> uh,
1: my, know, my earliest one day, memory, maybe, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. my earliest memory is uh, my my father would always they they had my mom and dad had a TV in their room, and that was the only TV in the, the whole apartment. And he would watch it late night because he was a performer, and he would come home in the evenings. And I vividly remember watching uh, two things in my life, which brought me to love of movies and TV. The movie was a black and white silent film of Sinbad the Sailor, mm-hmm. and I I remember sitting there with him, mesmerized at how bright it was and how exciting it was to see him jump a wall, scaling a wall, and it was just like saving, you know, the woman. It was incredible. Um, and the TV show, my favorite TV show as a kid was Hawaii Five O, the original. Sure, because just because the and I remember specifically for the the theme song. The theme song was awesome. The opening yeah. credits was I thought that was like wow how did he like pack all that in the opening credits? Like, <laughs> and I, I didn't even know what opening credits were at the time, mm-hmm. you know. But those 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 are things that define me moving on in my life later, and I I loved movies ever since. And so having children. I knew exactly how I wanted to start them off and what they can process, when they should process it, and what's good for them, you know, what's bad. So that it's, that's that been my life, and I've loved it. And I love doing this podcast about a movie that affected me as a child. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: which is a little sad that it's
1: Masters of the Universe, but
0: at the same time, I think it's... It's it's a thing that's very easy to digest for kids, and there's a lot going on in there that maybe we don't understand, but it doesn't matter. It's not that long. You know, and you're talking about, like, you know, uh, exposing your kids to, like, a lot of the stuff that you love that you grew up with now that they're kind of reaching the age that you can do that. You know, side note, we have been... uh, I've been helping you out. You've been helping with some me of
1: that plan their Star Wars. Their Star Wars. Life.
0: They they watch Star Wars in a gigantic movie theater, yes. all on their own. On um, one of our days, closed. to the end of my life. I and we're doing Empire Strikes Back yes. in a little bit. You are not being charged. This is fun. It's a fun thing that we're doing. It's educational. If Disney's listening. It's okay. <laughs> we're. Do, it's, it's. It's just creating it's, it's new the, fans that will spend for money for Disney. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna be like, we want, we want Yoda. Right. Where is Yoda? Where are my t-shirts? Where, where are my is he? And shoes? Why isn't he here? Right. Yeah. Right.
1: And they do ask me questions of like, is Yoda in this next one?
0: Yeah. Well, because they know Yoda. They know Yoda. But he's Yoda is only not in that one. In A New Hope. Technically, that right. is the only That's Star Wars movie that Yoda one. is not in. They don't know when he starts. Yeah.
1: And so they asked me and I said, you'll just have to wait and see.
0: Yeah. But I remember I love the question, where is he? And it's like, right. well, I mean, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know where he is, but like he hasn't been invented yet. You know, they he hasn't been introduced. Now, like, what are these words that you're using? Well, that's what's so great. Introduced. That's what's
1: so great is that I I'm sort of giving them a bubble look of what my life was like in terms of movies Mm -hmm. and TV, and so I I hope that they get some sort of guidance in terms of. I, I not to sp- not to speak frankly, but I think we have this ability to know um, good from wrong because we had such strong superheroes or good heroes in the in movies and TV during our lifetime. That's
0: a that's an amazing point. Yeah, I think that I think that the the morality of a lot of like '80s and early '90s uh, heroes and particularly superheroes was like very big. Whereas oh, yeah. nowadays. It's all about complexities and gray areas and stuff, which is interesting and fun to watch. As an adult, it's great. Yeah, as an adult, it's great. But it's like there is something to be said about just like in Masters of the Universe, bringing it on back, is that He-Man is just a very good for the sake of good kind of guy. And talks like this. (laughs) And, you know, you're just kind of But even Skeletor says it at the end. Yeah. Because his minions
1: say, how can you trust him or something to that effect. And Mm -hmm. he says, because he's a man of honor. Mm Mm-hmm. I have promised him that I will not hurt his friends, so he will come with me. Yeah. He will bow down to me. Mm-hmm. And then once at the end, when He-Man realizes that he Skeletor is going to hurt his friends, He's like, I've, that's I'm, when he busts You loose. have broken the promise, broke so promise. It is. Yeah.
0: Time, to, time for punishment. He could have broken out of the... All Any the time, time. Anytime. He could have
1: broken out of those chains He's anytime. He-Man. He's He-Man. He's Prince Adam. He's a man of honor. Yeah. He's the master of the universe. He is.
0: What else you got on these notes, man? Like, what else you want to talk about with this? Like, I want to talk about. Please, James Tolkien. Tolkien? Yes, go, James Tolkien. This man.
1: I mean, if anybody won the lotto of movie, movie,
0: movie, yeah. it's James Tolkien? I mean, I mean, if anybody won the lotto of looking like that, oh my god! And I was just like, dude, brilliant. Really He's still
1: alive. He's still alive. Wow. He started off with Back to the Future, right? Then he did Top Gun. I mean, those are two block, major blockbusters, mm-hmm. 85, 86. Then he goes to Masters of the Universe, which I wouldn't say is a, a blockbuster, but he definitely helped the image of the movie because mm-hmm. people recognize him from those two big films. So that will draw on people because they feel comfortable with him.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then he goes back to the other two, Back to the Future. He's in Dick Tracy as numbers. Yeah. I mean, what a great ride in 5 years. Mhm. And I I mean that's just like I I'm, think, I'm, I'm thinking think about smiling. like
0: when you when you when you started with Back to the Future I'm like that is like his big launch because like that's a huge movie but I was like I've seen him in stuff before that. He was in and yeah, Amityville Horror in 79. I was thinking yeah. I remember him in Amityville Horror, mm-hmm. I remember him in um I think uh it, it, like I'm seeing he's in Serpico and I'm like I feel like I know what that looked like. Yes. Um, and then there was another one here, uh, t- 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 uh, war games. Yeah. Oh yeah. War yeah. Games. War games.
1: Oh my God. I didn't skip games. that.
0: Yeah. But, but you're absolutely right that it's like back to the future. He lands, Mr. Strickland. We, we all stand. He's a legend. He's a legend. We in want, the 80s. we want him to step on us. Right. Very much. We want him to like, you know, tell us that yeah. no birds will ever make it in the history of Hill Valley <laughs> and our noses touch. We everyone wants that, right?
1: Right. And but I feel like Masters of the Universe is probably his f- more f- forceful role. I mean, he's he pops up with that shotgun and yeah. starts shooting the Eternia bad guys. I mean, he's like essentially
0: the, playing the same character, same character, but, but a little he's bit playing rougher. Like, a little rougher. A little he's rougher. He's playing like you know, because he's a detective. He's the up. He's like kind of like the by the book, uptight, but not afraid to fucking you know. Pistol whip some asshole. Right. He's the PG know. Dirty Harry. Yeah. In this. And I I you know what? And I he's the PG Dirty Harry and he's like a PG 13 version of Strickland. He's just <laughs> yes, dialed yes, up yes, dialed a up. little bit. Right. You know, he's dialed up a yeah. little bit. Um I love the scene. There's like a realism to the scene with him when he convinces um uh, man at arms daughter yes. to go out and help everybody like your friends are dying out there you're yeah. just gonna sit in here she leaves she them. gives uh, Voyager the gun and, Voyager. and he's Robert like Robert Duncan he has, yes but he has he has uh, he has manipulated this situation and you can see it in his face in his acting he's like don't you want to get out there she gives the gun right. to Voyager she leaves and then he immediately closes the door and he's like give me the gun yeah. And he's like, absolutely not. And he's like, no, give me the gun. Yeah. You're in a lot of trouble, buddy. <laughs> like, are you giving me? You're gonna spend the rest of your life in prison. Right. And I love that scene because it's so real. So real. And the fact that they're fighting over a gun yeah. Yeah. that is re like real in the sense it's not a laser gun. It's a real gun yeah. that we know shoots bullets that could fucking kill anybody Anyone. in this moment. And you're just like I don't fucking know what's going to happen if he gets that gun. I have no idea what he's going to – because he seems to be freaking out because he's just kind of like, I don't understand this. Something's happening. Someone's fucking with me.
1: And you need to actually take a step back and realize he's freaking out when in reality, he should be able to overtake a teenager in high school.
0: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, the kid's got a gun.
1: He does have a gun. He doesn't want
0: to be like... He does have a gun. But if I does, mean, he does. He does try to get he it. He does try, yeah. And then Courtney Cox ends up giving it to... To her... Avira Avira that plays her mother, which and I think... And that is the scene that I was talking about earlier with yes. Gremlins, where it's like you have that dark moment right. where you're just like... You're given this kind of moment of like humanity. And yes, yes it is extremely over the top. Extremely cheesy. Acted well, Mm, we could talk about it. But I, I, but I think the moment as a whole
1: thing is very effective. It's very effective because you have a different actress altogether playing her mother. Yes. That's not supposed to be her mother. Yes. And as a kid. And I love that shit. I love
0: that. That's fucking scary as a kid. And it's you're scary. Like, you're like, wait a second. No, that's her mom. But it's not her mom. But it's not. And you don't realize it until later. And then like it turns around but you know and she's you like, know something's wrong. Ha, 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 right. ha, ha, Yeah, because she's like, she's got a great like. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 retcon stuff where they're just like <laughs> Peter Parker's parents were involved with Oscorp in the right. development of everything or something. And they're just like, yeah, me and your dad, we've just been hiding out with the FBI, you dumb bitch. Like, that's what we're fucking doing. And like that thing that you found, <laughs> wouldn't you know, it's involved in her. She's so fucking stupid in that scene. And I don't mean to drop the B word. I mean it in a loving way. It's Courtney Cox. She can be called the B word every now and then right. by some idiot 35-year-old on a podcast that maybe 300 people listen to. Maybe. Oh, my God. Um, but it is very – and then she 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 gets it. Uh, she takes the gun. She takes the, the cosmic key, right? Yes. And she gives it to him. She gives it to the mother – and then, and then, Elvira gives it to Skeletor, who, like, honestly, if we could just take a step back for a second, no, like, no, she doesn't give it to Skeletor. Th- th- this is what I'm saying is that Skeletor needs to. He could maybe treat Elvira a little better. You know what I mean? Like, she seems pretty loyal.
1: I think. I think. And Skeletor
0: pushes it one one step too far. I think that's just their relationship. I think that's how they play it's it. True, and yeah. maybe that's how they like it. That's true, and you know if if I'm gonna let He Man dress like that, <laughs> Skeletor and Ovira can do whatever they want. They it do does seem it does seem consensual from my vantage point, right? I mean, the she only never time, spoke up. The only so. the only time that she does speak up mm.
1: is when the minions come back to Eternia and admit that they failed to Skeletor, right? And she
0: gets thrown into the field.
1: She gets thrown in because she speaks up for them. Yeah. And then he throws he says "You go to earth
0: did you did you uh in your research read about um her uh her like breastplate weighed like over forty pounds? no, And was extremely uncomfortable to wear and she and and she was like it helped my performance oh because sure. I just looked like I was pissed off all the time <laughs> because her back was fucking
1: killing her i i wouldn't I wouldn't put it past them i mean back then you know they they
0: probably did most things through Metal or yeah, you know. because it looks better. Like, yeah. if you try to do it in aluminum or anything like that, they didn't have a technology, right. I think, to make that stuff look good, right? They, 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 they had, didn't, have, they didn't like, have the steel, hadn't been made yet, exactly. Which Shaquille O'Neal, Shaquille right. O'Steel, Shaquille O'Steel,
1: or or translucent aluminum that's uh, three quarter inch, probably wasn't invented yet. Like, it was,
0: I'm gonna go ahead and say, probably not, probably not. <laughs> Who knows, just to just to 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 that, stick I, in a Star don't want Trek course out of school, but um. Who's to say?
1: Can I just say, um, yes. these drinks are lovely.
0: Thank No, you made them.
1: I, but it's your calculations and your I thank you. Ingredients. And you thank me. Fantastic. I'm having fun. I'm having a lot of fun. Good. Do you think that um, the, the term Japanese synthesizer mm. was thrown in because there was this whole technological movement coming from Japan? I mean, it's it's seen in Back to the Future one. Yeah, when he Marty goes back in time and Doc says something, and and Marty says, "Well, the Jap- Japanese do everything."
0: Yeah, I like, mean, one hundred percent. Like the, the the especially like the mid eighties, like eighty three through like eighty eight, um, Japan was producing stuff on a technological level that was far <laughs> superior than anything else the we were superior. doing. And even when it wasn't superior, it was being made faster, cheaper. You know, in any – in in a stretch of the definition of the term, Japan was doing just about everything production-wise, technologically-wise better. Right. So it's just a really easy gag to be like when they pick this thing up that looks like it could be dangerous, why would somebody just start playing with this thing? And they're like, he's a musician. He thinks it's an instrument. Right. And then that also leads into the third act where it's like he's the one that knows the notes – because he's a musician and that ends up saving the universe the universe yeah he is a music it's every it's every mediocre you know bass player dream right to save the universe even though you're just a fucking bass player yeah. you know and even Gwildor I mean he looks at him
1: in surprise of why Why Gwildor. didn't you tell me why didn't you tell me mm-hmm.
0: why didn't you say <laughs> I need more time <laughs> Yeah, it's good. The random, it random, random feels button pushing. Fucking good to hear that. I want that to be like my like text <laughs> <Your> message. <laughs> yeah. But here's yeah, this good. is
1: here's the one plot hole in this movie. In the beginning, when they before they realize before He Man, Man in Arms, and his daughter and Gwoda realize that they've <laughs> lost the key. Yeah, He Man says, "Can you get us back?" And can Quil- you get us back? Right. Can you get us
0: back? Can you get us back?
1: <laughs> and Quiltor says, of course. I just have to hit the, mm-hmm. the return key or whatever well, it is. And,
0: and as soon as 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 soon as Voyager picks it up, you're just like, oh, god damn it, dude. You fucked it up. <laughs> and he's just like, boom, boom. Oh, yeah. Boom. I'd love to, the dude so, that you brings Julie, to Julie, listen to this. Julie, check this out. Julie. Julie. I want to see what this baby can do. Yeah, plug it into this. <laughs> I'm literally leaving on a plane in an hour, and you're showing me your setup at at the gymnasium (laughs) gymnasium. at a high school with a piece of garbage that you just found in a hole in the cemetery where my parents are buried. (laughs) And she's died within the last two weeks. And he's like, I'm going to take this down to, like, Eddie." He'll check it out. And she's like, yeah, you just go. I'll be right here. I'm just going to, you know, take one last look at the place. And I'm like, dude, pick up the signals. Like, (laughs) she wants you to stay. This is your time. Chill. Right. What else you got?
1: Julie. um, Julie's storyline, I think, is probably the only consistent storyline in this whole freaking movie. Consistent. Meaning there there are no plot holes. It's simple. Mm-hmm. It's from A to B. There's nothing that that does a hiccup. She's quitting the
0: rib place. She's quitting the rib place. She her wants to dump her boyfriend. In, her a, parents in a, parents a terrible died. uh Airplane accident, right. going skiing because she didn't
1: want to hang out with them. She won't go. Because she wanted to hang out with her boyfriend and make out., yeah. which
0: is a good lesson for kids. Right. <laughs> I think. like no, do like go hang out with your parents no, because supposed. sometimes they just die. Yeah, like Julie's parents.: Yeah. you don't want your parents to end up like Julie's parents, do you? Do you? Do you? Do you?
1: <laughs> and she, she gives it up because mm-hmm. she's being attacked by Beast Man. And all these people, and she doesn't know what to do. So she's not, obviously not she going to the airport at this point. Freaks out As
0: very, she uh, yeah, very convincingly. Very, convincingly. where you're just like, hold on a fucking second right here, <laughs> like because I think the first guy she sees is like the weird eyepatch guy with yeah. all the swords, and you're like, and the white poofy hair, odd, they got a perm, odd. And then you see the other guys, and you're just like, oh, like you see like a weird like uh, a weird like old grandma person. And then you see Beast Man, like you're talking about. And then there's also, like, the Lizard Boy. Yes. Who kind of looks like...
1: Which there is a Lizard Boy in the He-Man. There is, yeah. Right. But this Lizard Boy... Merman or something. Yeah. This Lizard
0: Boy just kind of reminds me... These guys look like characters from Little Nicky. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, when, when in Little Nicky, the Adam Sandler movie, when they show, like, you know, uh, like, creature effects from hell. Right. You're just like... They put some effort into it, but not enough <laughs> not to make it seem like it was real. too much. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I was just like, look, we're not trying to be crazy right. here.
1: Yeah. But the one person that should have been real is the one that has the least amount of makeup, Blade. Mm-hmm. And you're waiting for him to fight against He-Man. And, and so is he, he. And I was waiting for this for a He's long time. He's been waiting. Yeah. Right? And he
0: whips out the two Blades. And the choreography is just so mediocre for that. Yes. I Like mentioning earlier, I think the fight scene's in it. Aren't all that great, but again, it kinda adds to the charm of the whole thing. It like does there's the charm. I mean, I'm not expecting
1: heavy between He-Man and Skeletor. That's gotta be epic. Like Luke against and I think that Vader, is right yeah. uh-huh. um, but He Man versus Blade, Blade seems if you're gonna have a name like Blade, right. I'm thinking you're gonna move fast. Yeah. You're gonna slice and dice, mm-hmm. right? You're gonna be like a like a Ginsu. Like a Daywalker. Daywalker. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna do it. And then he does not pull it off.
0: No, I don't think I – I, uh, I think that that whole scene between um, – as uh, Julie is escaping and she bumps yeah. into He-Man and he's just like, I won't hurt you. And, <laughs> and there and – I, lo- I like the characters in the scenes and I like how they interact with each other. It's the set pieces that don't really work. Right. in that moment. And I think that that's kind of a big thing around the whole movie is that a lot of the set pieces don't work all that well, but the characters are just kind of really simplistic and easy to understand and empathize with so that you're just kind of like, or or even just like in the case of all the attorney characters, just very one note and two dimensional. Right. They're easy to understand And get, like, where they're coming from. Yeah. There's no confusion. It's an uncomplicated film. Right. It's an uncomplicated story, which makes it an uncomplicated experience, which makes it perfect for kids. You're just like, that's – he is – he's got big blonde hair. He's always smiling. He's very big and, and muscular. So he's a strong, good guy. Yeah. Okay. Courtney Cox is short has short hair, <laughs> and she kind of cries sometimes. It's right. like, okay, so she's kind of... she's kinda, got gumption. Yeah, it, it, she's got the gumption. Like, yeah. she can do it. And as you get older, I think you're just kind of like, oh, that's the person from Friends. Right. You know? Yeah. As you get older, you realize Courtney Cox right. was in Friends. Yeah. Which is a TV show. But I'm sure people watching Masters of the Universe
1: in theaters were like, oh, she's the one.
0: That's going to be in Friends, yeah.
1: That was from the music video. Oh,
0: sure, right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Trying to go backwards here. Going
0: backwards, yeah. I mean, if there was anybody who could tell the future in 1987, they'd be watching, they'd be like, oh, fuck, that's the girl from Friends. Right. Time travelers, people moving backwards in time, Benjamin Buttons.
1: (laughs) Benjamin Buttons. Should we move into the third act? I Um, think we should. uh, uh, Two things that... um, were very weird for me as a kid. Seeing Julie's leg blister up like that. Yeah. Graphic. Oh, my God. Intense. Intense. Probably the only graphic part in that
0: movie. Hmm. I would say. I mean, besides Skeletor's face, but that's just like... It's the first one that kind of comes to mind. I mean, Frank, yeah. we haven't even really talked about Franklin Jell all that much. I know, which is a shame because um, he's brilliant in it. He's fantastic in it. He apparently like... Helped rewrite a lot of Skeletor's dialogue and stuff. With, he helped uh, with his
1: costume. He, yeah. wanted,
0: he wanted the right
1: flow with his cape going mm-hmm. down, uh, marching up the middle of the castle. It is a, a – It's one of those things where Castle like, Grayskull,
0: sorry. Castle Grayskull. It, it's a great performance. It's a juicy performance. Yes. And you can see that he's having a lot of fun doing it. Oh, yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like – I think Delph Lundgren's having fun Yeah, in this movie. And I think a lot of people are maybe not Voyager and and Friends over there because like they're doing like kind of, they're doing a lot more of like the serious dramatic heavy lifting I th- I think, of the movie. I think Courtney Cox had fun. I mean, I think she was, had fun. That this was but it, it doesn't show in their performance as much as someone like Dolph Lundgren and right. Frank Langella. Like, yes, you look at Frank Langella and you're like, it oh, probably sucked it. to put that makeup on. It was probably hot as fuck to wear all that shit. But he's loving it. But he's loving it and he's yeah. doing fun. He he came onto it. Legendarily, because his uh, kids, right? Yes. At the time, loved He Man, and he was like, You got it. Yeah. And they wanted Frank Lagell. They they pursued him. Mm. So it worked both ways. I mean, it's a good call because it yeah. really adds, you know, a kind of gravitas.
1: Well, to he was this the only thing.
0: big theater actor in this whole production. i go as far as to say he's the only fucking actor in this <laughs> thing. <laughs> like, everybody else is a professional actor, and they've gone on to bigger and better things for sure. But, right. like, from my point of view... I mean, man.
1: Uh, to be fair, uh, John Cipher, Man at Arms, was a huge TV show actor. Sure. I mean, he his, his resume is huge. Flipper, McMillan and Wife, Bonanza, Mannix, uh, Mission Impossible, Canon, Dallas, Knott's Landing, Dynasty, and then Masters of the Universe. Totally. I mean, this guy was on a roll with TV. They wanted somebody next to He-Man that was just... We can count on him.
0: We can count on him. He's not going to try and steal the moment. No, he's a professional. He knows how to do take after take and do it quick. Yes, you know, and that's that's perfect. Right, and that's what you want because you want somebody who's going to be able to hold Dolph Lundgren up if he can't pull it off. And the director was very nervous. Yeah, and not out. Very important. Very important. You got to let that boy. Yeah. do his thing he's a, he's, he's a second right
1: mm-hmm. and then you have He-Man you got the muscle guy that could in, I'm sure at that time they're like Builder, this, this could hurry be up. Yeah. this mm-hmm. could be the next Schwarzenegger yeah. maybe that was going
0: through their minds
1: unfortunately, maybe yeah. unfortunately
0: and I want to restate we're, we're picking on Dolph Lundgren a lot in this I love he's Dolph great Lundgren. I think that his performances back in the 80s fantastic there's some really cool shit that he did in the 90s I love his performance in Creed 2 Oh, yeah. Have you seen Creed 2? He is so It's like when Sylvester Stallone came back for Creed, or even just came back for Rocky Balboa. And you were like, holy shit. Rocky Balboa made up for
1: everything before that Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Go on on, though. Sorry to Um, So
1: you have those actors, and then you have your shining star, which is Frank Langella. Mm -hmm. I mean, theater actor, galore, right? Um, you, he has uh, he was voted for Golden Globes for most promising newcomer, right, with a Diary of a Mad Housewife in mm-hmm. 1970. Then he does Dracula. Then he does Master of the Universe. So this is they're they're not that they're betting on him, but they know this guy's great. He's gonna be great f- going forward. Mm-hmm. Let's put him in
0: here. It really is kind of just like they they were just like this is a dude who's not necessarily like a household name in the sense where it would pull it would fill the seats. Uh which the movie did not do. It did not fill seats. No. But they were just kind of like this is a dude who is respected right. in certain areas. Some people know him and he wants to do it. I and would, do it.
1: I would almost almost compare this choice to we're gonna hire Alec Guinness to put substance in Star Wars because
0: no, none of these other actors are well known mm-hmm. in terms of absolutely critically acclaimed. Yeah, I mean that is that is like that's the trick: a right. low budget sci-fi kind of niche genre fair. You get one kind of. Even semi heavy hitter doesn't you right. don't need to have your Tom Cruise or your Brad Pitt no. in there, but you get somebody who's like this guy's been around the block for a while. Right, he's been around long enough in enough big and mediocre things that people know who he is by face alone, if not name. And he's studied. and you pop him in, and they're in there for a little bit. And I think right. that the fun thing about Master Universe is that they're just like well, we got Franklin. No, oh, we should just <laughs> just let him <laughs> really lose. like uh, use him. Yeah, and he's he's fucking delicious in
1: the movie. He's incredible. He's, he's incredible. Even with that whole face mask thing, he makes it work.
0: I love that that's what happens when you become the master of the universe. <laughs> you have a gold You armor. just get like this really uncomfortable looking gold <laughs> shit all over you and you're just like, ha! Ah! <laughs> yeah. With
1: horns, he's like the the 1980s Loki.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. Pretty much.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, another scene in the third act uh, when He-Man is chained up. Mm-hmm. Which is very awkward because he gets whipped by blade. And the only emotion you get out of Dolph Lundgren is a sideways hip turn. Yeah. And you're like, did that really hurt?
0: Maybe it didn't. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hurt is, a, is an easy term to throw around. Right. But then later you're like, oh, he could have gotten out of those chains but, whenever you wanted. But painful. Hmm. Who's to say?
1: Or was he, was he as He-Man? pretending
0: to be hurt mm-hmm. because he couldn't got he he's unflinching nervous. right and um, you know he likes that fucking dank freak shit you know he's just yes. like he's like I do this with I do this with man at arms daughter all the fucking time <laughs> or man at arms I don't well, fucking I don't know. know I don't fucking know I'm yep. just nobody I'm knows assuming, what happens on Eternia I'm assuming based off of my own orientation which is not right you know and I apologize and it could be anybody
1: I mean it's right for you
0: I mean everybody's an orientation every, every, right for their own right beings, me. right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going by my percentage predisposition.
1: And I, I do apologize we haven't spoken about sorceress
0: but um really is there a lot to talk about there. She's dressed really nice. Looks and, like a bird. Um I would take orders from her. She or, like, I would. or advice? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. If she was just like maybe don't go to uh stop and shop today. <laughs> I'd be like, that's fine. I can go tomorrow. You know, it's not a big deal. If um, you were to tell me that, I'd be like, why? You right. know, but with her, I wouldn't question it. Just No, because she of has knowledge. knowledge. She's got a scholarly presence. Yeah. Right. I'd be like, mm, probably knows what she's talking about. So, right. yeah. I'll yeah. wait till Friday to go get pork chops. And that's as far morning.
1: as it goes with her character.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I get my pork chops from Stop and Shop.
1: Nice. Yeah. They I get the, it from Adams. They
0: got the organic stuff there. Ooh. The pork is the only thing that I get from outside of Adams. Interesting. Adams Farreker Farms, for those that are listening around the world, is a local awesome, awesome, awesome grocery store chain. Yes. I'm so happy they're so big. They're great. They're great. You know, if they want to support us, that'd be great too. We got to, uh, um, I've asked, you, times are hard um, right now.
1: Um, uh, one last hard. thing I do want to touch on. I was going to say, let's
0: wrap it up. What do you got?
1: I was not aware of this until okay. you, until I told you I want to do this movie and you told me on a sticky note mm-hmm. in the DVD mm-hmm. or Blu-ray. Yep. Um, or as my <laughs> parents would say, CD,
0: which it wasn't. It technically is a compact disc.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. It's a disc. It's compact disc. It's compacted digital disc. It's compacted. It's compacted. It's compactable. <laughs> um, you wrote,
1: watch after the credits, I believe. I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. Wait yeah. Or wait until
0: post-credits yeah something to that, effect. Something to that like effect watch like watch through the credits like and something like that
1: I had never yeah known this, never seen it. I don't know if they even play this on TV when they when they showed Masters of the Probably Universe. Probably not. Probably not because they they speed
0: through the credits right. real quick yeah
1: and there's a reveal of skeletor popping mm-hmm. out from a pool of green liquid whatever he fell into whatever apparently. he fell into mm-hmm.
0: is saying he'll be back. He's like, I'll be back. And then as soon as it like it kind of freeze frames a little too early. As if like he kind of like went off like camera or something. Oh. They're like, it freeze frames before he's done saying back. He's right. like, I'll be back. And then it freezes and he's like a sneer. <laughs> and they're obviously going off of like the Terminator stuff, the Arnold Schwarzenegger yes. of it all. Uh I remember this is another early memory. I remember um I used to go to my uh, my father's grandparents' house in Stormville. Um, not too far away from Beacon? Not too far away, right up the road. Yeah. And um, I remember uh, my grandparents would put me in a room and leave me there. <laughs> Did uh, they lock you in there? Not lock me in there, but they'd be like, don't fucking come out, asshole. <laughs> like something like that, to that effect. Um My grandma, my grandma in this instance, uh, who is the one that locked me in there is dead now, which is fine by me. And um, so she's not going to hear it. My grandpa is like, dude, he's like fucking 96 years old and still fucking ripping it. He got remarried. He drives up from fucking Florida all the time to visit my dad. He's a fucking masterpiece of a human. He is the masters of the universe of human (laughs) beings. It's fucking wild. But I remember I used to watch Masters of the Universe all the time. We we had it on VHS. And whenever it's over, I'm like, done. Grandma, can I please come out? I'm hungry. And she would feed me. And I remember one time I was doing something else, playing pretend, doing something in the corner. Credits just kept going. And then all of a sudden, there he is. Mm. You know, Nixon himself from Frost Nixon. Yes. Frank Langella. Frank Langella, yes. In full skeleton makeup. Yeah emerging from a pool of pink liquid brilliant staring at me saying he'll be back six year old Mike Burge going like <laughs> I'll, I'll be back. back and then he like freezes and it's just like oh okay yeah. and I remember the first time I saw that I was like I never fucking knew that this here. I must have seen the movie like at least a dozen times before that Oh yeah. so I wanted to make sure that you were aware of it because I feel like it's one a lot of people don't talk about I, because I didn't know about you didn't know it. I didn't know that
1: the person that was in Dracula Dave Jr. Uh, Cutthroat Island Lolita Goodnight Good Luck Superman Returns Frost Nixon Trial of Chicago 7
0: did that post-credits bad statement. movie great performance great performance I fucking hate that movie <laughs> Now that we're, like, (laughs) far enough away from the award seasons and everything like that, I can just be like, dude, this is not a fucking good movie. It wasn't, but he was brilliant. But he's, like, that's the thing, is, like, the wrong person got nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Yes. You either do do Mark Rylance or Franklin in that fucking Franklin Jellin should have gotten the nomination. Yes. And even though I disagree with Eddie Redmayne's depiction, or rather Aaron Sorkin's depiction of that character that, Eddie Redmayne portrayed. Play, portrayed. I do think that Eddie Redmayne makes it work, and yeah. I think he's very good. I think Sasha Baron Go- Cohen is absolute bullshit in that movie, and Ooh. I like Sasha Baron Cohen. I don't know if I, say, I would say bullshit, I think he kind of just rode with it. He just rode with it. Like, yeah. it's not something to get nominated for an Academy no. Award for. No. I think it diminishes what an Academy Award is to nominate somebody like that. Yes. And I think that that's it All right. for us. This was fun. This was this great. This was fun.
1: You had fun? I had a lot of You're fun. You were a little nervous. I was in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the cocktail helped. The That's I had the, the power. whole
0: point, baby. <laughs> it's supposed to be like, you know, the whole idea about this specific show, Overdrinkers, is people who usually aren't on podcasts talking about movies that they're really passionate about or have things that they want to talk about on yeah. it. And you're not used to talking to just one person at length for two hours about something.
1: Ah, uh, see. But I feel like if we if don't usually gender, do that. You do.
0: No, if you're a bartender, you have multiple conversations that you can move back and forth between. Unless it's, you're a, not used unless just one, it's a dead um, day. Unless it's a dead day, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or about one topic, too, in right. particular. You're not really moving. You can tangentially, we were talking about this in the break, Like you yeah. can move over to something else, but eventually you got to swerve back to Master of the Universe. Oh. Otherwise, the people listening are going to be like, What's why going are they on talking here? about Fight Club for like half an hour <laughs> in this thing? Which has happened on this podcast before. Well, um, I,
1: I thank you, and uh, I hope that uh, I get invited again. That would be great.
0: Totally. Yeah, yep. we, we're trying to keep Overdrinkers on a monthly now uh, to try and like, keep up and make things really cool so yeah we'll, we'll figure out another movie and we'll, we'll get you on awesome because this is fun and I, you this did a lot great. of research you got a lot of notes I'm very impressed I'm a
1: note guy sorry it's good
0: no 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 it's very good because I don't really do notes I yeah. do a couple notes in my phone that I kind of look over at the at, at like make sure that I cover these things right. and then all the information I hope that I get right <laughs> um but thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for listening, dear listener. And uh, remember to rate, review, subscribe. And uh, we are not the only podcast on this channel. Story Screen Presents is a host of loads of other stuff hot takes, cathode raycast, loads of other shows. Make sure that you visit StoryScreenBeacon.com and check out articles, reviews, all this other stuff. Yara? Uh,
1: I just want to say, in terms of Master Universe, we mm-hmm. don't say
0: goodbye, we say safe journey. Safe journey. Yes. Yeah. And on top of that, uh, Story Screen Beacon Theater selling tickets. Story Screen Driving selling tickets. And I wanna give a big shout out and thank you to Von Holt, who does all the music for all of our shows. And other than that, I'm done. And I'm gonna go change the marquee right now after having two cocktails. And we're gonna (laughs) see how that goes with me up on a 30 foot ladder. I think it's gonna be fine. I ate today. I don't want to make anybody nervous that's listening to this. We won't. We, I'm not posting this until three days after. So if you're listening to this, I made it. Unless you didn't. <laughs> if I die, this doesn't get posted. I'm the one that edits it and posts it. So okay. if you're listening to this, I absolutely made it. Do a little huzzah. And as always, uh, to absolutely everyone out there and to Yaro here, safe journey. Safe journey.
1: sip just to kind of ease Uh, into it
0: first yeah of course yeah cheers man thank Thank you very much yes i'm a
1: little jittery for some reason i don't know why (gasps) and then we can pretend like we're taking the first sip if you want
0: of course yeah that's the magic of editing